We have an anchor that keeps the soul steady. The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And now, Mike Hickson. Good morning and welcome again to our worship service. We're glad that you're here. If you're visiting, we always want you to feel honored that we're always glad to have you. And we're honored that you're in our presence and we want you to come back. It may be the case that you're looking for a church home. And as we get ready to begin a new year, I would encourage you to consider the work here. We would love to have you come and join hands with us as we do everything that we can to make known New Testament Christianity in this community. We've had a number of people that have placed membership over the past year, and we are glad that they are a part of the work here, and we want to encourage you if you're looking for a church home. I want us to think for a moment or two today about starting the new year right. I think it's important for us to get off on the right foot. In order for us to go forward, sometimes it's helpful to step back and reflect. You know, the Bible talks about the importance of examining ourselves in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. It's always good to take inventory of where we are in life, and I think by way of spiritual inventory, it's always helpful to evaluate where we stand in our relationship to God. And ultimately, what is most important is that our life is right with God. As we begin the new year, I want to encourage us to make this year a great year. To serve the Lord, to live faithfully, and ultimately to be ready to be with Him one day in heaven. As we think about starting the new year right, there are some things that maybe we would do well to consider. Let me just begin by asking this question. Is Jesus a priority in your life? When we talk about priorities and prioritizing our life, what we're really emphasizing is Jesus is the focal point. He is, as we sing from time to time, our everything. Is Jesus the focal point of your life? Has he been the focal point of 2012? If he has not been the focal point of this past year, I would encourage you to make him the focal point of 2013. As we talk about prioritizing our life and making sure that Jesus is first. After all, Jesus said, seek first. That means before anything else. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Let me just ask this question. Let me ask a series of questions. Number one. Are you a student of God's Word? Have you been a student of God's Word? Over the past year, how much time have you invested in studying this book that we call the Bible? Paul said, study 
to show yourselves approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. In ancient times, the psalmist said on one occasion that his delight was in the law of the Lord, and in that law he meditated day and night. On another occasion, the psalmist said in Psalm 119.97, Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. How much time have you spent trying to learn God's Word? Did you know that there is a correlation in your relationship to God and the time you invest in studying His Word? Over the past year, have you spent time reading, studying, and meditating on the Scriptures? I'm talking about more than just one time a week or a couple of times a week, but have you spent time daily in God's Word? A second question. Are you serious about worship? Have you been serious about worship? Over the course of a year, we have the opportunity to meet 52 weeks. If you were to just do the math, we meet an hour a week on Sunday morning, an hour a week on Sunday night. 104 hours a year. It's not a lot of time, is it? I was thinking about the time that we spend doing just simple things every day. And how much time that adds up over the course of a year. Simple things like brushing our teeth, getting dressed or undressed, eating. What about recreation? I like to play golf. To play a round of golf. If it is a crowded day, four hours. Four hours over the course of a year, if you play several times, that adds up, doesn't it? You like to hunt? Not anything to sit in the woods for four or five hours, is it? Don't think anything about it. And yet we're only talking about one hour Sunday morning and one hour Sunday night. Those of us who have children, it's important that we teach our, our young folks God's Word. And I think about the words of Paul in Ephesians chapter 5 when he said redeeming the time because the days are evil. Listen, if you're, a, if you're a mama or a daddy, those children won't be young forever. Now is the time to have them in Bible class and worship. Now's the time to be teaching and instructing them. Lay a foundation for them. There are a lot of parents that express regret late in life because they weren't what they should have been, spiritually speaking. They didn't attend services like they should have. They weren't in Bible class. They neglected the assembly. And sadly, their children today are not faithful. Don't make that mistake. You know, the Bible talks about not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. 
If you were to ask the Lord, where should I be on Sunday morning? Where should I be on Sunday night? What about Wednesday night? What do you think the Lord would say? Better yet, if the Lord were on earth, where do you think he would be? Let me ask a third thing. Are you serving in the work? Have you been serving in the work? Over the course of this past year, what work or works have you been involved in? You know, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 2 at verse 10 that we have been created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Paul instructed Titus in Titus chapter 3 at verse 1 to be ready unto every good work. In Titus 2 verse 14, he said that we are to be zealous of good works. Have you shared Jesus with anyone over the past year? Have you talked to a friend, a family member, a co-worker, a classmate? Have you asked them, would you study with me? Have you talked to them? Listen, no one can be converted if we don't open our mouths. Jesus said, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. If you and I do not teach people God's word, who will? Over the past year, numerous opportunities have probably presented themselves before us to invite someone to services, to engage in dialogue, to set up a Bible study, start a Bible correspondence course, there are always opportunities to share Jesus. Have you done that? If you haven't, I want to encourage you in 2013, talk to somebody about Jesus. Secondly, do you know anybody that is not where they ought to be spiritually? Have you tried to get someone who is not what they ought to be and where they ought to be back to where they ought to be. In other words, here's somebody who's not faithful. They haven't been attending services. They've just dropped off the radar. Have you picked up the telephone? Have you gone to visit them? Have you done anything to try to restore that person back to their relationship to Almighty God? You know, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, the Apostle Paul talks about those who are taken captive by the devil to do his will. He's talking about somebody who, who leaves the Lord, who goes back into the world. There are people in the body of Christ that sometimes fall off the radar. They're not where they ought to be. They're not what they ought to be. And so we have that opportunity. Have you done anything to reach out to somebody who's unfaithful? And try to bring them home to the Lord. James said, brethren, if one of you errs from the truth or wanders from the truth and one converting, let him know that he who converts a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and hide a multitude of sins. Think about this. Just a little bit of effort, a telephone call, a card, a visit, might bring somebody back to the Lord. And in so doing, 
you will save someone from losing their soul eternally. Powerful. Thirdly, have you visited the sick? Have you visited anyone in 2012? Jesus said, I was sick and you visited me in Matthew 25. Jesus wants us to visit, to care for those who are in need. We talk about visiting the sick, engaging in benevolent works. Have you done any of that over the course of 2012? Have you sent somebody a card, picked up the telephone, called somebody? Have you expressed concern over someone who's having physical troubles? What about helping those who are less fortunate? A lot of opportunities there. Paul said, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ in Galatians 6.2. In verse 10 he said, let us therefore as we have opportunity do good unto all men, especially those who are of the household of faith. So those are some things that maybe we would do well to consider as we think about prioritizing Jesus in our daily lives. Now I want to move from that and think secondly. Is Jesus the passion of your life? In other words, what kind of relationship do you have with the Lord? Are you fervent in your service, in your work, in your worship? In Romans chapter 12, Paul said, not lagging in service, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Let me just let me just share a couple of things with you. Number one, are you growing in Christ? Over the, over the course of 2012, have you grown as a Christian? Here's what Peter said, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now there's a correlation in our spiritual growth and in our study of God's Word. If you haven't been studying God's Word in 2012, then the conclusion is you haven't grown. You can't grow in the Lord if you don't spend time in His Word. You can't grow in the Lord if you don't spend time in prayer. You can't grow in the Lord if you're not worshiping God on a regular basis. So, have you grown as a Christian in 2012? Are you stronger today than you were this time last year? If not, why? How would you measure your faith? If, if someone were to say, rate your faith, how would you rate your faith? Did you know that the Bible speaks of varying levels of faith? For example, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 26, Jesus talks about little faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, or rather in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14, the writer there pictures a weak faith. 
In James 2.26, James talks about a dead faith. In Matthew chapter 8 at verse 10, Jesus underscores great faith. Where would you stack up? What kind of faith do you have? Little faith? Weak faith? Dead faith? Great faith? Again, what's the correlation? The Word of God. Paul said faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Your faith's not going to be what it ought to be. You're not going to be where you need to be if you're not spending time in this book. I understand that sometimes great emphasis is given to reading and studying and meditating on the truth of God, but there is a reason for that. Repetition is a great teacher. And so sometimes we just have to keep pounding these things. We want to have great faith. We want to have a strong faith. I want to have the kind of faith that's pleasing in the eyes of God. So, have you grown? Let me ask a a second question. Are you glowing for Christ? What do I mean? Well, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. He went went on to say, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Did you know that we are to be a light in the midst of a darkened world? Paul said in Ephesians 5 at verse 8, you were once darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. In Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul pictures those of us who belong to the body of Christ. And he said that you might be blameless and harmless, the sons of God in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. And then listen to him. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. Do people know you're a Christian? When people see you at the office or at work, When they talk to you on the ball field or the golf course. When they hunt with you. When they talk to you at school. Can they tell you're a child of God? Do you conduct yourself as a child of the living God? Do you act like you should? Are you radiating the light of Christ? Jesus said, let your light so shine before men. Over the the course of this past year, when people examined your life, what were the conclusions that they came to? Did they say, he or she is everything they say they are? Or, do do they come away with the attitude, you know, They claim to be a follower of the Lord, but they're not what they ought to be. So, are you growing in Christ? Are you glowing for Christ? Let me talk to you about a third thing today. We talk about being passionate in this life for Jesus. But I want to to share a third thing with you that I think is really important. And that is, are you prepared 
to meet Jesus after life. Now again, we talk about we talk about starting the new year right. I think in order for us to start the new year right, we've got to have the right priorities. Jesus has to be the focal point of life. We have to be passionate about Jesus. We have to love him with all of our heart, soul, and mind. We, we have to invest in reading and studying and meditating on the truth of God. We have to invest in worship. We have to invest in the work of God. But are you ready to meet Jesus after life? Now somebody might ask the question, why would you, why would you ask that? Did you know that there were people sitting where you are sitting right now that are not with us today? They are in eternity. They lived to see 2012, but they didn't live to see 2013. You and I have to understand that we're going to meet Jesus one day. The reality of meeting Jesus after this life is over. I said a minute ago that in order for us to start the new year right, it's helpful to sometimes step back and reflect, to think about where we've been, what we've done, where we stand, it's good to take spiritual inventory. Businesses, corporations, this is the time of year that they are evaluating. They're looking back over the past year and they're asking themselves, what did we do right? What did we do wrong? What do we need to fix? Where do we need to go from here? They're laying the foundation for 2013. In many corporations, they've already laid that foundation. They've already got their plans drawn up. They know where they're going. But they're concluding the year by evaluating and deciding, okay, here's where we stand. Here's where we need to go. Now, here's what you and I need to do. We need to ask the question, where do I stand? Where do I go from here? The reality of meeting Jesus after this life is over or in the judgment. Did you know that one day you and I are going to stand before the judge of all the earth? And as Abraham acknowledged He's going to do what's right. Think about this for a minute. The reality of meeting Jesus in the judgment. What's the standard by which he's going to judge us? It's this book that we call the Bible. If we're not living according to this book, if we haven't been living according to this book in 2012, we're not, we're not ready to meet him. Jesus said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my word hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. In Romans 2, at verse 2, Paul said, We know that the judgment of God is according to truth. Pontius Pilate asked the question on one occasion, What is truth? And Jesus said, Sanctify them in truth, your word is is truth. John 17, 17. If this is the book that's going to be opened on the day of judgment, don't you think it would stand to reason that I understand the, the principles and the precepts that are recorded? 
in the book we call the Bible? Don't you think it's important for me to be living by this book? Don't you think I need to be making sure that my life is a reflection of this book that we call the Bible? What about the required readiness to meet Jesus in the judgment? Imagine this, if you can, for just a minute. What, what if you had a history of heart trouble? And let, let's just say that today you were having heart, heart trouble. And those troubles began by having pain in your chest, tightness of chest, tightness of the chest. Maybe that pain radiated down into your left arm. Maybe there was some pain in your, in your jaw. Classic symptoms of heart trouble. And so, you had to make a decision. Rather than going to the doctor, you said, well, maybe it's indigestion. So, you take an antacid. You go to bed, get up the next day, still have trouble. Still not feeling well. Lack of energy. Nauseated, you take antacid, another antacid. You go to bed that night, get up the next day, same trouble. And just like that, you have a massive heart attack. The paramedics are called. CPR is administered. Your vital signs are gone. The medical personnel, they tell your family, nothing we can do. He or she is gone. What's the point? Go back to Sunday. It's now Tuesday. Had you called the doctor or gone to the emergency room on Sunday, you might be alive. You waited too late. You can wait too late spiritually. You may think you have all the time in the world, but you are not promised another day. The Bible says, who knows what a day may bring forth? We don't know. Maybe you will be here in 2013. Maybe you won't. Maybe you will be here this time next year. Maybe you won't. The same is true for me. The point is, we have to make preparation today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, not next year. Today. I think about people that have physical problems, heart problems. They wait too late. They're in eternity. There are people that have spiritual problems. They wait too late. They're in eternity. And once you get to eternity, your fate is forevermore sealed. So, my encouragement, let's start the new year off right. Let's begin by prioritizing our lives, making sure that Jesus is the focal point. Let's make sure that we're passionate, that we have a sense of fervency in our service and devotion to the Lord. And then let's make sure that we are prepared to meet the Lord. Let's live every day as if it were the last. 
because we don't know what tomorrow may bring forth. If you're here today, maybe you're not a child of God, I want to encourage you to come to Christ. Believe that He is the Son of God. Believe that He is everything He claimed to be. Be willing to repent of every sin, just like Jesus said in Luke 13, 3. Except you repent, you'll all likewise perish. Confess His name before others. You have the opportunity today to say you believe Jesus is the Son of God. And then, be immersed in a watery grave of baptism. You die to the love and the practice of sin. You rise to walk in newness of life. To know that every sin is washed away. Listen, you can start 2013 with a fresh slate. All of your sins washed away. You can start a new life in a new year. You've got that opportunity. And then be faithful until death. The promise is the crown of life. If you're here this day and your life is not what it ought to be as a child of God, could we pray with you and for you? Why not make the decision today to come home? Maybe your life hasn't been where it ought to be. Maybe you haven't prioritized Jesus into your life. Maybe you've lacked passion. Maybe you know in your heart of hearts that you're not prepared to meet the Lord and you're a child of God because you haven't been faithful. Why not let us pray with you and for you and God will abundantly pardon. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move Grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love